Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Church Online. Here we are, yet another Sunday, gathering virtually. Um, I, I don't know about you, but I'm really missing coming together as church. Um, we're getting there. Uh, we're working on the plan uh, to get people back into the building. Our plan is to do communion, maybe family by family. That's probably the first thing that we're going to do. I know that churches are open for private prayer. But hey, we know that the church isn't a building and that we can pray at any point in the day. We can pray where we are. We can pray in our homes. So we don't need a building to be open to do that. But there's something special about having communion together. I don't know that we've done this before, family by family. And so just keep an eye on the emails. We'll get that information out to you when we're doing that. Um, but yeah, we're here and we want to worship God this morning. We've come to praise him. And so let's bow our heads in prayer as we open up our time together. And uh, let's just seek his presence in, in all that we're doing today. Father, we just thank you that you're with us. We thank you that you never leave us, you never forsake us. Lord, even during lockdown, Father, we know that you've been with us. Father, we're never out of your presence. And Lord, we're just so blessed by that knowledge. And Lord, we just pray that we would experience your presence today. May there be a, just a tangible <coughs> expression of your presence as we gather today and as we come to worship today. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen.
just want to thank you that you are a great and awesome God. Father, we thank you that there's no problem too big for you. But Father, there's also no problem too small for you. And Father, we thank you that we can come to you with everything today. Father, the issues of the heart, the issues of the mind, the issues of the body. Father, we can come to you. Father, relational issues, financial issues. Father, whatever those issues are, we know that we can come to you with those issues. And Father, we just lay them down at your feet. Father, as we bring them to you today, maybe in prayer. And Father, as we allow faith to rise in our hearts as we pray, Father, we just pray that you would hear our prayers and Lord, that you would be pleased to meet those needs which we have. And Father, we just bring them before you today as a church. And Father, we'll just give you praise and thanksgiving for the answers. Lord, we just thank you that uh, you're still at work, that you're doing a work amongst us. And Father, even though we're uh, still church scattered, Lord, we, we know that um, we know that our, our fellowship is, is one. Father, we are together as, as one fellowship and we thank you for that. Father, physically we're distanced, but Father, spiritually, emotionally, mentally we're connected today. And Father, we just give you praise and glory. Father, we just uh, look to you as we continue in this service. And uh, Father, we just ask that our ears would be open to all that you want to say to us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, we're going to hear uh, just in a minute from uh, Ian Purdy. Uh, Ian has been coming along to our church, well, uh, <laughs> just before lockdown started really. Um, but Ian, we've known for a long time, many, many years. And uh, I just appreciate his friendship and uh, his fellowship. And Ian's going to share some of his story. And just after that, we're going to turn back again to Luke chapter 15. We looked at the parable of the lost sheep last week. Now we're going to look at the parable of the lost coin today. So just get your Bibles ready um, and we'll, we'll read that together and just look at and see what God wants to say to us through that. So be blessed in Jesus' name. Hi there, my name's Ian Purdy and I'm here today to let you have a bit of my testimony, uh, the story of my conversion. Um, in 1992, I was playing in a punk band, and they were quite a successful band. Um, they were called The Exploited, a punk band from Edinburgh. And I was touring with them, and basically being on TV and all the stuff that rock bands do. And uh, I was enjoying it, and I was having a great time. Um, I was doing a lot of stuff I shouldn't have probably done. Doing a lot of drugs and drinking and parties and stuff, stuff that's synonymous with that lifestyle. Uh, and I was quite happy going along with this, getting adoration for people I didn't know. It was a great feeling, not that I lie about it. Um, at that time, I was in a relationship with my then girlfriend, who, unknown to me, when I was on tour, started going to the Pentecostal church, the Elam Church in Livingston. <coughs> and uh, she became a Christian. So when I came back from touring Europe at the time, I was just back from Holland, I was uh, pretty low. Uh, after the, the highs, I was a cheat uh, experience. And during that tour, um, it was a successful tour. And um, But my girlfriend at that time had told me that she started attending the Elam Church. And I said, that's great. So, me being the kind of guy who was quite happy to let people believe what they believe, I went along to the church with her, uh, but pretended that I had become a Christian. I remember that. And I used to put my hands up in the air. I was quite a show off anyway, so I thought, this is great. You get to put your hands up in the air and stuff. And 
sing all these great songs, but I wasn't really, I wasn't being real about it. Um, and then I would come back to the flat and say, that was great. Then in the evening, I would go out and I would go to the spiritualist church uh, in Bathgate and went there. And she was, she never said much to me about it, but eventually she started talking me out of going to the spiritualist church. And she was saying that, you know, it wasn't in line with God's best for me. So I stopped going there. Um, but one day, two pastors visited me. Um, and we stayed in a flat at the time. And I saw them coming out the front window. And I just wanted to escape that flat. But there's no way I could escape because there was only one door. And they were now at that door chapping it. And they had visited us several times before. Um, so they, we welcomed them in. It was Roy Monks, Pastor Roy Monks, and the elder Mike Mason. And I liked these guys, but I didn't agree with their beliefs because we had conversations about this stuff um, before. And like I said, I was into spiritualism. I believed in spiritual powers. Um, so they, they came in and said hi. And they said, Ian, we've come to pray for you today. And I says... Well, thanks very much, but no thanks, because as we spoke about it before, I, I don't really share, I don't believe in God, I don't believe that's real, I believe in what I believe in. And Roy Monks, quick as a flash, says, okay, if you pray and ask God to reveal himself, I'll never preach at you again. And I'm not going to lie, I thought this was a great thing, because I thought, finally, I'll get peace with this guy, and I'll get rid of him. So I thought, I liked the guy. So sat down in the chair. I said, okay. So one on each side, Mike and uh, Roy, each side of me, they prayed to God and then they asked me to ask God if he was real. So I shut my eyes. And this is quite funny, but this is where I pictured God would be hiding up behind a cloud. I don't know why, but that was my, my understanding of God at that time. So I prayed, God, if you're real, Show me. And I can honestly tell you, I got the fright of my life because I felt something in my whole spirit and my being. Now not even the whole of it, my soul and everything. Something warm had actually touched me inside. A feeling I never had before. A warmth, comforting, joyous feeling. And I became emotional when this happened to me. And I wasn't great for showing emotion because the circles are mixed in. If you showed that kind of emotion, if you, if you cried, then they would have just laughed at you. So I was quite good at hiding it. Although I had a lot of internal pain and hurt, I was great at, at disguising it behind a, a jolly laugh and smile. But I started to cry. And then I started to laugh. And I just felt this joy bubbling up inside me. I don't know if I was embarrassed as well when I started to cry. I don't know if my laughter was to guise that. But I felt a joy in my spirit. And I thought, oh my goodness, God is real. And at that time, Mike and Roy, they were laughing because they had seen this before and they were just full, they were happy that I had encountered this uh, living God and for myself and it, it blew my mind it really did and that day 
I decided to phone the singer, who was the manager of the, the band as well, and tell him that I was leaving the band. Now, it wasn't the music or the, or the people in the band, it was the lifestyle I was living in that band, and I knew if I went back to that, we were in the middle of a European tour at this point, if I went back to that, then there's no way I could continue my new, my new Christian faith that I had just discovered. I knew the two couldn't go. So I told them I was leaving, and I, eventually the penny dropped, and they agreed, that's fine. Um, I've since apologised to them for that, because I left them in the lurch, and there was a lot of financial commitments had went into that tour, which eventually they got their last drummer to come back, which was good, but I, I, I did apologise to them for leaving them in the lurch like that. But I just knew I had to get away from that band. I just had to make a clean break. If I was going to trust God and put my, my trust in Jesus, um, I had to distance myself, take myself out of that situation. And I did. And it was a hard one because I had longed for to be in a famous band all my life. That's where I played drums and eventually I got in that famous band. I longed to tour America. We were just about to tour America for two months. And, and Japan. These are places that very few people who are musicians get a chance to do. But I counted the cost and I thought, you know what? That, what I've experienced is far greater and far mean, meant more to me than that. So I gave up that and I started to follow God. And I'll tell you, it's not been easy. It's not been easy. I ended up marrying that girl and after a while I had two sons uh, to her and I had a stepdaughter with her but that marriage broke down and I found myself in a desert uh, without my kids and that was a real, real hard time and I had to put my trust in God to look after my two sons. It was a horrible breakdown. I suffered greatly for it. And, you know, you're reading the Bible, take up your cross and follow me. Well, that was a heavy one for me, a heavy cross. And quite frankly, I never had much of a choice in it because it wasn't my doing. Uh, I didn't want that. And the heartache that... Uh, came after that was was bad. It was bad. Years and years it went on for. And I was so low and depressed. And I'll tell you, God never left me though. I remember when a kind elder at the church, um, he gave me a deposit for a flat and I got that flat. It was a lovely place. And I was basically on my own. No family, no kids, nothing. And I used to lie on the floor, prostrate on the floor, and I'd just lie there sobbing my heart out. And then what happened was I used to feel this, it was like a, a quilt of heat and comfort. It used to just cover my whole being, cover me. And I'd lay there for hours and it seemed like minutes. God was there. You know what? He was crying as well. 
And one thing I discovered through that time was the only thing you need is Jesus. Because my reality had vanished. I was a happy father with kids and everything. And that, had, that went. But I found a new reality that all you need is God and Jesus. And he has got me through this. It took, oh, it was horrible. But I know I get into details, but um, it took a while. A long, long road to recovering from that. But God was with me every step of the way. And I used to say, I'm sick of crying. I'm not going to cry anymore. Then I would cry for another year. <laughs> it was quite, uh, it was just incredibly hard. But I decided that I would stick with God, follow him regardless. And God started to tell me things. And he made promises to me. He said, <clears throat> you will have your own house one day and your wife will buy that. Your new wife that I've got for you. And you will be made whole. So I decided, even though I was tempted, I kept myself out of relationships and I waited on this woman that God had promised for me. And sure enough, after five years, I met her. Um, introduced by a pastor from America who went on a blind date and it was probably the worst blind date ever because I was so beaten up as a person and I told her everything bad about me <laughs> and my friend's like I don't know if that was wise and I'm like no no trust me uh, I says that's the best thing to do and I think it gave her a bit of scare to be honest uh, my wife now Marion I think she, it was too much for her, but she knew everything about me and I told her all the stuff that went on and she did dump me a few times um, and I'm like, God, I thought you said I was going to get a new wife, this isn't working, I'm not taking her back and God says, Ian, she'll be good for you, Ian, she'll be good for you and he was right because she changed her mind and started dating and then quite a wee short time after that we decided to get married and then God started blessing. He blessed us with a, a beautiful daughter Hannah who is now almost 14 and sure enough Marion <laughs> she had a house that she owned and we moved into that since moved again and we're back to Bathgate and God has, I can honestly say, he has blessed me more than I could imagine already. And I believe the best is still to come. I've still got dreams and hopes with my music. And, but you know what? I've laid it down. And I thought, you know what, God? I've got an idea of what you, I want you to do. But I want what I want now is what he wants me to do. And I never push myself forward. And just through things I've learned as a Christian by helping people and just just go and be in there for people. I have met people in the music industry and through just being nice to them and, and caring for them, I've experienced even greater highs 
in the music business. I've been nominated twice for a Mobo Award, which is, you know, that's a, that's a celebrity award. I mean, it's A-list a, a award. I couldn't believe it when it happened. And I've done fantastic things with playing abroad. I've done musicals in Vienna and, you know, rock musical there in the Museum Quarter where all the operas play. I've done things that I would never have done without God. So, although I said earlier that I gave up that for God, you know, God gives you more. But he wants you first. He had to break me to get rid of my pride, to get rid of my self-sufficiency and my arrogance and certain things, habitual things. And he doesn't wait till you're perfect to bless you. But he always has a plan for you. And I'm quite stubborn. And maybe it's took longer than it should have. Because sometimes I'm, I've wrestled with God over the years, so there's no question about it. And my walk's been up and down. But I can tell you, through his love and his grace, his amazing grace, he is just so good. And I thank him for that. So if there's one thing that I would say at the end of this is, if you've been hurt, if you've lost your dreams, Remember this, that God is the only one you need. Jesus is your saviour and he'll never leave you. Thank you. I don't know about you, but I found Ian's testimony very moving. Uh, it's just moving to hear God at work in somebody's life. And I'm sure like me, you could just see how real that was to him. And, you know, he's saying that Jesus is enough. Jesus is the answer. And, and, and he really is. And we're going to think more about that as we open up uh, Luke chapter 15 once again. Last week we thought about the, the parable of the, the lost sheep. Today we're going to think about the lost coin. So get your Bibles ready, open to Luke chapter 15. And uh, we're going to read uh, from God's Word in just a little second. You know, I, I don't know uh, about you, uh, if you remember this. Uh, one of the things that I've had the privilege to do over the years is to go to school camp. You might remember being in a school camp yourself. Um, and just uh, how mad school camp is. And one of the maddest things that I've ever thought about school camp is the lost property. You know, there's lost socks, lost shoes, lost jackets, lost money. And then somebody says, he stole my money. And then you discover that the money's actually in a, a, a pocket in the rucksack. Uh, and it was there all the time. Um, and the reality is that you can't find it for the mess. Have you ever been in uh, dorms doing dorm inspection? And there's just absolute chaos. There's no way you would ever find anything in it. And so I just think about the whole kind of lost uh, and lost and found in terms of uh, the lost property at camp. Uh, you know, uh, th th I think one of the problems is that, you know, even when we bring out all the lost property and we sit at a table and we say, okay, who does this belong to? And nobody owns up to it. It just amazes me. It's like, no, it's not mine. You know, whose is it? I don't know. It's yours, it's not mine. And I, I think about I think about a, a top that I lost when I worked for Crusaders. Uh, my last recollection is that I had it at Tweedsmuir down at the centre there, this you know cracking jumper that I really loved, and I have no idea, no idea where it went. And I think the reality is that 
you know, the, the kids are at camp, they don't know the value of anything, they don't care, I've watched this, and I think their mothers would be horrified if they knew what they were doing with their stuff. But they don't understand the value of things. And, and here's me uh, losing this this top, and I'm like, man, I, I can't remember how much it cost me now, but I'm like, I really like that top, and it wasn't cheap, by the way. It probably was cheap, but that's another story. But I loved it, missed it when I lost it. And I think about this story in Luke chapter 15 of the lost coin. And, and really the theme uh, in, in this parable is the whole th- theme of rejoicing. And we see that there. Remember that uh, Jesus is sat with the, 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 the sinners and the tax collectors. He's invited them to his table. Remember that the table is a place of connection. It's a place of fellowship, of love, of grace, of acceptance. We invite people to our table. And Jesus had invited these people to his table. And the the Pharisees, it says, began to murmur and they complained throughout the crowd, this group of them, and they began to complain and that, who is this Jesus? He welcomes sinners to sit down at his table. These three different categories of people, sinners, tax collectors, and Pharisees. And Jesus begins to tell them these parables. We thought about the lost sheep last week and how Jesus says, supposing one of you, talking about the Pharisees, one of you has 99 sheep and loses one, you know, would you not go and look for that sheep? And then he changes tack slightly and he goes on to use a different image altogether. He talks about a woman who has lost a coin. And let's let's read the text again. And again, how do we read the text? I mean, uh, you know, here's here's an image of the woman who's lost uh, lost her coin. She's there searching for this coin and she's searching through the house. We're going to read that story in just a little second. This is how it looks in my Bible. Talked about this last week. Uh, you know, we, we can read the text and the way that it's laid out for us, but I want to just look at the way the text is laid out uh, slightly differently to look at the structure in the text, to to draw out the meaning from the text. So let's let's have a read of uh, a read at the text. Or suppose a woman. Jesus is going on to talk here about a woman. Suppose a woman has ten silver coins. So we went from a hundred sheep to ten coins. We're getting smaller and smaller and smaller, and even the parable shorter, and loses one. So it becomes lost. Does she not light a lamp? Sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me. I have found my lost coin. And in the same way, I tell you, there is more rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Probably going off into a different translation there in my own head. But notice, notice the structure here of the parable. At the start, it's a woman with ten coins. She loses, and then she finds. She finds that lost coin. She finds it here. It's found here. But in the middle is this phrase, rejoice with me. And we find that at the middle of this inversion is this phrase, rejoice with me. And so we understand one of the central themes of this parable is rejoicing. I wonder, was this parable aimed at the tax collectors? It was, after all, related to money. Again, we see this central theme and the structure, but we think about what Jesus is actually saying here. We thought last week about the Good Shepherd and who, how he went to look for the sheep. 
Next week, we'll think about the prodigal son and how the father, who represents God, and, and going to meet the son represents Jesus coming in the flesh to this world. But it's interesting that in this middle parable, God is depicted like a diligent woman. And I just think that's an interesting thing to think about. It's interesting that Jesus is referring to a group of men. So he's not going to say, suppose a you was a woman uh, who had lost one of ten coins. He's not going to say that. He would have insulted his audience beyond belief. But he uses a parable about a woman. Now we need to remember that in these days, and maybe to some extent our day, (laughs) women had a lesser role in society. And one of the reasons for searching in the house is because it's probably the only place she had been. She wouldn't have travelled very far, wandered very far, unless her husband was with her. And like it or not, that's where she probably lost the coin, and that's where her search begins. And we saw that picture earlier of the woman searching for her coin. She gets out, and she begins to sweep, and she gets a lamp, and she searches the house. And it's interesting that God is depicted in this image as well, searching, looking, looking for that which is lost. And I think we see that in the book of John, probably one of the most famous passages in the Bible of all time. John chapter 3, verse 16, where it says that God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, God sent his son, Jesus, who was God in the flesh, came into this earth so that whoever, whoever believes in him, and it's open to everyone, everyone is welcome at Jesus' table, whoever believes in him shall not perish. And what we're talking about there has been eternally lost, eternal separation from God. Eternal separation in a place that the Bible refers to as hell. It's just one of the words that's used. But Jesus came that we might not perish or be eternally lost, but have everlasting life, eternal life. And in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, we read this, that the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why? Because There is an inherent value in you. You might not think that. You might not feel that way all the time. You might feel second class. You might not feel like you measure up to other people. If you do, I know how you feel, by the way, because sometimes I can feel like that. The world has a a great way of putting you down, of knocking you down, and it's hard sometimes to get back up. But Jesus came to find the people who were lost. He came to find you. He came to find me. He came to find all the people who are tuned in to this broadcast today. He came to find those who can't be bothered. One of the things that we talked about last week was being disinterested. So many people apathetic about the things of God in our world. And we just I just pray that many people come to know God. And last week we thought about the parable of the lost sheep and how it maybe referred to those who were outside the church. Maybe the coin, as as it's inside the house, maybe maybe we need to think about those who are lost in the house, those who are lost in the house of God, those who are lost 
in the church. Christians who have become lost. Maybe even though you're still present in the church. They're in body, but maybe not there in spirit. Now think about Christians who are going through the motions. We come in, we do the stuff, we leave unchanged. And the word of God, rather than washing us clean on the inside, washes right over our heads and we have missed what God wants to say because we're lost inside the house. Maybe for some people, coming to church is just about religious duty. That's what we do on a Sunday. Or maybe you come to church out of habit. I know that people aren't coming to church other than coming to church online, but think about the way that things normally are. Maybe some people come to pay lip service to God. Listen to what Matthew chapter 15 verse 8 says. It talks about those who honor with their lips, but their hearts are far from God. Jesus is quoting Isaiah chapter 29 verse 13. People who say all the right things, but in their hearts, they're far from God. People who are lost inside the house. Perhaps lost because of a bad relationship. Partly it's about the fact that we expect more of people in church. I said last week that some people think I'm not good enough to go to church. Sometimes when we're in the church, we expect everybody to be perfect all the time. But the reality is that we all make mistakes. We all mess up from time to time. Excuse me a second. (coughs) That's my uh, responsible coughing technique. Just getting a bit dry. It's all this talking. Sometimes we can be lost because an offence was given, an offence was taken. We can be lost in unforgiveness. But we can also be lost because we're so full of ourselves. So full of ourselves that we've lost connection with others and we've lost connection with Christ. Even the people who appear to be super spiritual can get lost. Listen to what Colossians chapter 2 verses 18 and 19 says to us. Don't let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. In other words, don't let Sunday trip you up and stop you from running your race. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body, supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews, grows as God causes it to grow. You see, if there's one thing that's going to make sure that we get lost in the house, it's pride. We can lose ourselves so quickly when we become proud. We lose connection with others and we lose connection with God. But the reality is that when relationships are restored, when people catch the fire of God again, and when people are restored, there's a celebration in the community. This woman, when she found her coin, she says, Come, friends, neighbours, Rejoice with me. Come and rejoice with me. I've found my lost coin. 
Do you know it's also possible to get lost in the middle of a thriving ministry and church? And though it may not feel like at the time, feel like it may not feel like it at the time, this is not always a bad thing because sometimes we need to be lost before we can be found. I remember, and if I can just share something that's really personal with you, and I've never shared this with anybody before, uh, certainly not, uh, not in public anyway. I remember back in 2014, it was May 2014, being at the Assemblies of God National Conference, and all was not well within me. I was struggling with tremendous grief and loss and disappointment. You see, earlier that year, on the 27th of March, tw- 2014, um, just on, on the Monday of that week, I had taken uh, Tim's mum's funeral uh, in Glasgow. And I found myself sitting at the funeral of a lady who we had been praying for. Her name was Jan. She was the wife of the pastor. She would have been a pastor herself down at the Assemblies of God Church in Dumfries. And Mary and I are sitting at this funeral. We're, we're, we're in a, a side room because it's so packed. We've been praying for Jan and God hadn't healed her. And we're sitting there and uh, just kind of taking in everything that was happening, waiting for the service to start. And a text came in. And then the text that said some bad news. And the text that told us that our friend Eleanor had passed away. She died due to cancer. And we prayed for Elnor. You know Elnor. And Elnor was a friend to us from way, way back when we were in our early 20s. Elnor was one of those people that we connected with really closely when we came into this church. And when Elnor moved down to Glasgow, I remember helping her and laying carpets and, and doing all these kind of things. And then once all the work was done, we... Uh, Mary and I and Eleanor would sit and have a Chinese meal together and just chat and have a laugh and do all these kind of things. And so all this had been happening in my life. I remember getting that text and, and just the tears rolling down my face, feeling lost, feeling disappointed, feeling the pain of grief. And I remember being at that conference and feeling utterly broken inside. And I'll never forget, it was at the end of one of the sessions, I went uh, over to, to Jamie and Christine, they always sit over at the left-hand side uh, in, in the, when we're at conference, they always sit roughly in the same area. And I just sat down and I said, can you guys pray with me? I, I couldn't even speak. And it wasn't just a case of sitting with tears rolling down my cheeks, I was literally sobbing my heart out because I just felt broken inside. <clears throat> and I asked Jamie and Christine to pray for me. And the whole experience was just so overwhelming. But I remember when they prayed for me, there was just this overwhelming feeling of the presence of God coming in to my life. And where I'd felt lost and disconnected and disappointed, <clears throat> God came in and did something in my life in that moment. I wasn't able to speak for quite a while after they prayed for me. In fact, I just sat there, bowed in prayer in the presence of God. And, and Jamie and Christine actually left. They just left me there. That wasn't a bad thing. <coughs> Excuse me. 
<clears throat> Too much talking. That wasn't a bad thing. I needed to be on my own. I needed to just work some things through with God. Why am I saying this? Because we can feel lost in the midst of ministry, in the midst of doing great things for God. And I remember writing down in my journal at that time, this is what I said, in relation to Jamie and Christine praying for me, in that moment, this is what I wrote, feeling lost and feeling insignificant. Feeling lost and feeling insignificant. But sometimes we need to take the time to be found again. And never, ever underestimate the power of prayer and the power of fellowship. The reality is that there are those who are lost inside the house. Maybe people who are lost inside your house. Maybe we need to, we need to be reminded of the value of people. <laughs> you see, people matter. We're made of matter. We do matter. <laughs> that was my attempt at a joke. People have an inherent value, which is why Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost, you and I. God is diligently seeking after the lost. He's diligently seeking after you. And we as a, a church have a responsibility to look after, to look out for those in our church who are lost, those who are struggling with things and need prayer. Never underestimate the power of prayer. But this is what happens in the parable that Jesus talks about. The woman finds the coin that's rejoicing. She says to her neighbours, come and rejoice with me. Let's come and celebrate. I've found this coin which was lost. That coin was probably worth a day's wages, but it was probably worth a lot more than that in terms of its value to her as a person. And then we think lastly about what it says here at the end of the passage. In the same way, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Maybe you've got lost in the house. Maybe you have been part of this church for a while. Maybe you've part of another church for a while. Maybe you've left church because you get lost in the house and you thought there was no way back. Can I just say, I've experienced some of the most difficult times in my life in the house of God. What does Proverbs chapter 4 verse 23 say? I think it is. It says, guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. There's one sure way that we will get lost is if we don't guard our heart, if we allow things to creep in and to destroy our heart before others and before God. And so I encourage us, if you're feeling lost, you need to come and have a conversation with me. You maybe need to have a, a conversation with somebody else. Don't feel and don't be lost in the house. Maybe there are people in your home, people who live with you physically who are lost. Let's pray for them today as well. Maybe maybe you're tuning in today and you are lost, then God wants to find you. Let's bow our heads in prayer as we finish off today. Father, we thank you that you have come to find the lost. Father, we thank you that there is value in that which is lost. And Father, that's why you came to seek us out, to save us. That's why Jesus came. 
And Father, we just want to remain in your presence. We want to be found. We want to be in that place of fellowship, in that place of connection, because Father, this is your church and we love your church. And Father, we want other people to find that place of connection. And so Father, we pray that you'd come in and that you would just minister to those who are lost. Lord, those who need a touch in their hearts to bring them back on track. Lord, I pray that you would just speak the words into their lives. In Jesus' name we ask. And maybe today, maybe today you're lost outside the church. Maybe you've never made a decision to become a Christian. God wants to come into your heart and life today. God wants to do something in your heart and life today so that there's rejoicing in heaven over your decision to allow yourself to be found. You say, here I am, here I am, come, I'm ready. Just, I, I want to be in your family and I remember praying that prayer. I said that last week when I was six years old, asking God into my life. Excuse me. And we can pray that prayer today, the same prayer or a similar prayer. And I encourage you just to pray that out loud, pray it into your heart, but let us know you've prayed it. Private messages through Facebook, send us an email through whitburnpentecostal.com. Uh, let us know that you've made that decision and we'd love to get in touch with you just to encourage you and uh, to put some resources in your hand which will help you in that way. Let's just pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you uh, for those who are thinking about making that decision. And Lord, I just pray that they would pray this prayer. Dear God, I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he came to seek and to save the lost to seek and save me I confess that I've been lost I confess that I've wandered away from you and I ask that you would come in to my heart today in Jesus name Amen and if you've prayed that prayer let us know that you've prayed that prayer we want to just get in touch with you and encourage you the Lord bless you the Lord keep you, the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And I pray that church, you have a great week this week. Stay safe and uh, we look forward to the days where we're meeting back in person and things begin to settle down again. Lord bless you. Thank you.